Greetings, I'm Bishop Chester Wright, and this is lesson four in the series of the biblical principles governing the eyes. Uh, we've had some very interesting lessons, and uh, I've learned a lot uh, in these uh, first lessons as the Spirit of the Lord has spoken and is speaking to us, and uh, I want us to continue. Uh, this is lesson four. And the name of this lesson is The Spiritual Function of the Eyes. The Spiritual Function of the Eyes. The eyes are the unlimited windows of the brain, which automatically gives whatever they see direct and immediate access to the mind, the soul, the heart, and the spirit. Immediately. As stated above, the eyes have great potential for good, but they also make us very vulnerable to negative influences. I, I, I cannot allow myself to be careless in what I let my eyes see. I cannot. I cannot. Even a momentary image on occasion can sear itself in your brain and becomes a brain tattoo. That's a memory. There are some images that become a brain or a memory tattoo. It's permanently affixed to our brain. Just an image. It might not even be a moving image. It might not be any sound there. It's just an image. Boom. Uh, that's so very critical. Uh, I, I wonder if it's possible that that's what happened with David and Bathsheba. One day he was on the roof and she's over there taking a bath and he just gets a glimpse. Just gets a glimpse. Uh, I, I had a feeling this was an habitual practice for her. And standing on the rooftop was must have been a habitual practice for him, especially in the cool of the day. And uh, I wonder if it just took an image, just one quick look. And he turned away. No, I don't want to see that. I know, that's Uriah's wife. I don't want to see that. I, I Whatever. And I wonder if that... that that memory tattoo, that uh, that memory that tattooed itself upon his consciousness would not let him go. I wonder if that's how all of his fall started. So what I, can, I see can inspire me or cause me to expire spiritually. What I see can inspire me to good things or it can motivate me to negative things. What I see what I see. What we see creates a permanent image in the mind. And while it may not be permanently there consciously, it is permanently there subconsciously. That's why we've all seen things we wish we hadn't seen. And it takes the blood of Jesus and the grace of God for us to not be subject to those memories uh, in the future. That's why all of that needs to be replaced both consciously and spiritually, with, 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 and all that, all that hard drive needs to be overwritten spiritually, if possible. If we allow God to do that work, he'll do that. So even though an image may not be remembered or even registered in the conscious mind, it's always registered in the subconscious mind. I am, I'm reading some things and then I'm commenting and I'm reading some things again. Why? Because you, you have got to, you've got to get this. You've got to get this, okay? 
Even though an image may not be remembered or even registered in the conscious mind, it is always registered in the subconscious mind. Scientific studies have proven that images registered even in, in a, the subconscious can trigger inexplicable, inexplicable feelings and emotions. Memories. I can have a memory and something I see triggers that memory and all of a sudden I'm back there and I'm feeling all of that, good or bad. If it's a good memory, a wholesome memory, a God-honoring memory, I can be back there and remember those feelings and relive that. Or if it's a wrong memory, what I'm seeing can trigger that and I'm right back there living it. I'm living it. And that's why... That's why God and God alone is able to, to close those things off if we walk in him and deliver us from the effect of those things. Because, uh, you know, many of you know I was, I was molested when I was five. And I battled with shame for 33 years because of that. And, uh, and uh, I would bury those memories as much as I could. I didn't think about them consciously. But I found myself reacting because of them. And then something I'd see would trigger all of that. And then the next thing you know, I'm back there and I'm, I'm reliving that shame, that humiliation, those feelings. But then when God delivered me and he healed me, I have memories without feelings. So the memory's there, but God took the feelings out of them so that I don't react to them anymore. Now, he's the only one that can do that. That's why there's some, some just absolutely dismiss the whole idea of us being delivered from our feelings and our, and healing the wounds of our past. But those memories that are alive with feelings affect us every day, consciously or subconsciously. And they may not affect me in a way right now today I recognize, but you let me see one thing that, that brings that memory out of my subconscious to my conscious, and I'm reliving those feelings all over again. Therefore, it is so very important to, first of all, let God forgive me, cleanse me, and heal me, and turn all the pain and the shame of those memories, heal that so that that's gone, and turn those those memories from my past into just history where there's no emotion connected to it and to also overwrite all of that with positive feelings of healing and 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 deliverance of the glory of God and because God because God has used that thing in my life to see many people changed I now have a positive view of those experiences, not of the fact of getting molested, but that he was able to take all that negativity and do something positive with it. So that now, when something I see triggers that memory, it brings up this healed memory, which reinforces my faith in God. It reinforces my life in God. So, that's why it's so important. It's so important to, 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 to be delivered of any stronghold I have here and have any wounds I've got here healed and, and, and all those feelings taken care of so that those memories are sanitized of the feelings. And I'm free from their influence, even if, if the memory of that is triggered by my, by what I see and to let God 
overwrite those memories with positive results from them so that what my eye sees will trigger this positive memory. This is the will of God. This is the will of God. Again, even though an image may not be remembered or even registered in the conscious mind, it is always registered in the subconscious mind. Scientific studies have proven that images registered even in the subconscious can trigger inexplicable, in, okay, I didn't say it the first time, I'm not saying it this time, inexplicable feelings and emotions. Given the potential for an exponentially greater effect from images that do register in the conscious mind, we need to take heed. If we allow our eyes to expose and frequently re-expose us to the wrong things for a prolonged period of time, a stronghold can unintentionally be formed in the mind that will continually affect our actions. This is called sin. Nobody purposely chooses to give themselves over to flesh, to the world, and to sin. Nobody purposely chooses to do that. If, if, the, if flesh announced, I want to take over your life and you do only what I say, you wouldn't give in to it. If the world said, I want to run your life and you take over and you will, you wouldn't give in to it. If the devil announced himself and said, I want to take over your life and run it, you wouldn't give in to it. But it's the subtle step by step, increment by increment process where I give myself over and over again to something a little bit at a time. It's just this thing, just today, just this moment. I just, I'm just gonna, I just want to see that again. I just want to feel that one more time right here, just today. It's just, it's just for a moment. Then I, then I'll go right back to the way I was living. Well, the problem is that that is incrementally taking me farther along in the process because I'm not really repenting because repentance is change. And I can't change myself. I have to have God to change me. But God can't change me if somewhere in the, uh, the deep in the heart of me, I don't really want to be changed from that. Because again, I'm, I'm not giving myself over here to the point that it's, that I'm really being fulfilled by God. I'm not re- really letting Him fulfill me because I'm not consistent in the way I'm pursuing God and my relationship with God. And so because I'm not really receiving all that God promised me because I won't, I'm not, living in a way that will let him do that, then I, 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 I am open to constantly wanting to come back to this, which then eventually creates a stronghold here that I have to be delivered from. Here's the problem. When the stronghold is here, and I've given myself habitually to sin, the result of this is called darkness. And that means there's darkness in our lives instead of light. To confirm this, we're going to consider the teachings of Jesus on the subject. Matthew chapter 6, verse 22. The light of the body is the eye. If therefore thine eye be single, thine whole, thy whole body shall be full of light. But if thy eye be evil, thy whole body shall be full of darkness. If therefore the light that, it, that is in thee be darkness, how great is that darkness. No man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Now, to help you better understand that, I'm going to read another translation. This is Weiss' expanded translation of the New Testament. He says, Matthew 6, 22, the lamp of the body is the eye. If therefore your eye be in single focus, pure and sound, 
your whole body will be highlighted. But if your eye be diseased or not single, your whole body will be full of darkness. If therefore the light which is in you is darkness, the darkness how great. No one is able to be habitually serving two masters, for either he will hate the one and the other one uh, of a different kind he will love, or he will hold to the to he will hold to firmly as against the other, and the other of a different kind he will disdain. You are not able to be rendering a slave's obedience to God and to a passion for accumulating wealth. I want you to note that these three verses actually were one paragraph in the original lighting, the original manuscripts. Uh, that's really important for you to understand. That these three verses are connected. They're not individual thoughts. So let's read one more. This is the Living Bible. It's not a translation. It's a paraphrase. But uh, it'll, it'll give you a little flavor here. If your eye is pure, there will be sunshine in your soul. But if your eye is clouded with evil thoughts and desires, you are in deep spiritual darkness. Oh, how deep that darkness can be. You cannot serve two masters, God and money or mammon, this world, including my flesh, the world, and the adversary, the God of this world. For you will hate one and love the other or else the other way around. So, this is what's so very important here. Vincent's word study says this word translated single in, uh, in, in, uh, Matthew chapter 6, 22, 22 in the King James Version. It means this. It possibly is a reference to double-mindedness and indecision. I want to live, I, I want, I want to be saved. I want to have a relationship with God. I, I want to walk with God, but at the same time, I, I occasionally, I like to enjoy a little bit of flesh over here. That's double-mindedness. That indecision causes my eye not to be single. And while some light comes in, it's really darkness because it's a distorted image. When the scripture talks about uh, if the if our gospel be hid that is hid to them lost to whom, whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them that believe not, that word blind there doesn't mean that there's no light gets in at all. It is the word opaque, which is something that's not clear. So you can see some light come through an opaque glass. You can see forms, but nothing is clear. Nothing is clear. So this is kind of strange. If the, if the eye, if the light of the body is darkness, how great is that darkness? What that really means is if that light of the body is opacity, meaning I don't really see anything clearly. I don't understand what I'm seeing and I'm making decisions based on stuff I don't really understand. Stuff I don't really know. Stuff that really is not reliable. How great is that era? Because here's the problem. I'm still serving somebody. I think I'm serving God. But this two, this double-mindedness, this, uh, this I not being single, it, it's, it's, it's letting distorted or altered light in. There's light that comes into me, but it's not clear light. It, I, I can't, it doesn't let me see anything clearly. It just gives me enough light to deceive myself into believing that I'm okay. So I'm still loving. But what am I loving? Well, I love God. Yeah, some of the time. 
But I love God. I love the world. I love my flesh. I love the pleasure of the flesh, the pleasure of sin for a season at the same time. And the problem with this is what my eye is seeing or not seeing is directly connected with what I'm loving or who I'm loving. And the problem, you know what? If we were just doing the, the seeing the world and sin and not seeing God at all, it wouldn't take long for the Holy Ghost to convince us, convict us of this. Because of the depths of sin we'd be in, do we? We would know somewhere deep inside of us, hey, this is not right. This is not right. But when I'm doing both, and I'm loving the world and trying to love God at the same time, the darkness in me is so great because I've convinced myself I'm still a Christian. I'm still a Christian. There's nothing wrong with me. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I occasionally fall. And maybe it's more than a little occasionally. But I always get back up and come back to this. Now, the grace and love and mercy of God is amazing. It's amazing. It's unfathomable. How in the world that he, he possibly is as patient with us as he is. I, I can't explain it. Except that his love is, is so far beyond human love, it's ridiculous. It's, there's no way to even define it, describe it, or whatever. But at the same time, there comes a point when I become so self-deceived that I'm no longer loving God. I'm loving a substitute God, the world. We need to carefully consider the progression in these three verses. So what is the progression of these verses? I first, I'm not seeing with a clear eye, and then I'm seeing something, but it's not truth, and then I'm serving a God that is not the true God, and believing I'm okay. Note that these three ver- these verses were included in this, again, I've said this, I'm going to say it again. Note that these three, these three verses were, we're including the same paragraph, the original text. This once again clearly demonstrates the connection between my eye and its uses and what I serve. Between my eye and the way I use it, the connection between that and what I serve and who or whom or what I love. These three verses tell me that what I allow my eyes to focus or feast on will ultimately determine what I give my worship, my servants, and my allegiance to. These three verses tell me that what I allow my eyes to focus or feast on will ultimately determine what I give my worship, my service, and my allegiance to. This is God's law or principle, and no one is immune or exempt to from it. No one's immune to it. No one's exempt from it. What I dwell on with my eyes, my mind and heart and soul and spirit will eventually dwell on. And that's what I will give myself to. That's what I will worship. That's who I will serve. That's who will have my allegiance and my love. The creator intended only good in making us this way. But only by our choice can we turn this good into bad. It's not automatic. I cannot make this choice myself. I cannot consistently choose. 
That's why Philippians 2.13 says, For it is God that worketh in us, both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Only the grace of God at work in me can empower me, first of all, to want to do what pleases God, and therefore also to not to want to not do that which displeases God. And only He can empower me to do that which pleases God. And only God can empower me to to not to be able to not do what displeases God. So it's a choice. It's a choice. And God will help me. But I have to make the choice so that because he cannot, he will not violate my will. I've got to make the choice of whose authority I'm going to come under and whose governance I'm going to come under when it regards my, my eyes. And the, there's three choices. I can come under the governance of mammon, which would be my flesh, the world, and eventually the God of this world. I can come under the governance of God, which was God's plan and intent. Or, the worst choice of all, I could choose to make no choice. And then I, I serve God part of the time and I serve flesh part of the time. But eventually, when I'm doing that, I, I'm not just serving flesh part of the time. Then I'm serving the world part of the time. So I'm serving God part of the time. Then, I'm, then I now I've reached the place I'm serving the world part of the time. And then I'm serving God part of the time. And eventually, I switch to I'm serving the devil part of the time, which will change then to I'm serving him all the time. But here's the deception. When it reaches that point, I don't know the difference anymore. And I think, I think I'm serving God when I'm not. I pray in Jesus' name that for all of us, we will let the Spirit of God talk to us through the Word of God, through the grace of God, and help us to understand how critical this is to our eternal salvation. In Jesus' name, I bless you with the spirit of revelation, and I bless you with the grace of God and mercy from God and peace from God, our Father, from the Lord Jesus Christ, that you would be empowered to become all that he would have you to be, that you might walk in a way that's pleasing to him. God bless you.